Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When you don't have a clear curriculum for your classroom, it is so overwhelming to try to put that together yourself. Spending hours on Pinterest and Google, pulling worksheets and pulling pieces of curriculum together to make something that works for your classroom. That's why we created the Autism Helper Curriculum and now offer Curriculum Access. Curriculum Access gets you access to all levels and all subjects of the highly differentiated evidence-based Autism Helper Curriculum. You can have students working on letter identification and working on parts of speech at the same time in our easy-to-use curriculum. We currently have hundreds of teachers using Curriculum Access from all over the world with consistently rave reviews. I want you to join that group of teachers. Now is the time to ask your administrators for curriculum access. We have an email template ready to go so you can ask them to set up a demo. Your administrators can jump on a live call with our team members to see everything that's included in the Autism Helper curriculum access. Next year, let's reduce the overwhelm. Let's start the year out with a path and a plan and resources to meet all the diverse needs of your students. Let's make next year the year of curriculum access. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. Welcome back to the Autism Helper Podcast. I am so excited to have Liliana Diaz, the voice behind Bilingual Speechy, with us today. I was so excited to have her on the podcast because we've really never discussed bilingual education. And I know so many of us support students, whether it's in sessions, whether it's in your classroom, who are bilingual. And I want to make sure that we're all using best practices and that any myths and misconceptions we can debunk right now. The biggest thing that I wanted to talk about with Liliana, which we addressed right away, is is it confusing to speak multiple languages for students that have some type of language impairment or diagnosis where they're struggling with building up that language? Is it confusing to have more than one language? So we get into that right away. Liliana comes in hot with research, which I love. Definitely check out her page, Bilingual Speechy. She shares lots of great ideas and resources to help support your bilingual learners and especially your Spanish-speaking students. So let's go ahead and hear from Liliana. Hi, Liliana. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here. I am really excited to talk about this topic because it's something that we haven't talked about a lot on the podcast really ever. And as I was kind of getting ready for this episode, I was thinking back to my time in the classroom and I had a lot of students that were bilingual and I was like, oh my gosh, maybe I was not providing them with the best services and support I could. So I'm excited to learn from you about how to provide bilingual language support and what are kind of best practices for the classroom. 
Yeah, well, awesome. I'm, I'm more than happy to give you some tips and tricks. Um, so yeah, go ahead and ask away. <laughs> so I think, you know, thinking about what we were going to talk about today, I was thinking about, as you've shared on Instagram before, like myths and misconceptions and things that people really do believe, but aren't true. And the biggest one, and, and I've, I've been asked this as well, is, you know, especially students with a language delay or with autism or some other diagnosis, does speaking multiple languages cause confusion? Should we stick to English because English is in the classroom? Does English in the classroom affect Spanish at home? How do we get through all of this kind of multiple language confusion if there is that? Yeah, it's it's amazing that today, you know, we're, we're in 2023 and yet, you know, these types of myths still exist. And it's important that, you know, we talk about just the facts and, you know, the research behind um, the actual facts about bilingualism and speaking more than one language. Um, it's, it's unfortunate that a lot of times, like, we hear, you know, these types of myths from uh, even, like, professionals, like pediatricians or sometimes even speech-language pathologists, um, teachers, educators, um, and unfortunately, it just stems from a lack of knowledge about bilingualism and bilingual language development. Um, but, you know, to answer your question, speaking two languages to a child with a delay or a disorder of any kind um, will not make them worse or will not cause confusion. Um, and, you know, a lot of the times there's this like, belief that, you know, these children already have like existing delays. So adding another language to their, um, how should I say their like cognitive load um, is going to just like cause delays and, and just confusions. But there's actually research that shows that, you know, children with uh, Down syndrome, articulation impairments, um, autistic children, um, a lot of this research has shown that, you know, their uh, language skills, and these are language skills of bilingual children, so these are children learning more than one language, can be comparable to that of monolingual children with the same impairments. Um, so there is no evidence to support the idea that being bilingual will result in additional delays for children with, like, primary language impairments um, when compared to their monolingual peers. And we can see these types of statements supported in research studies by, um, I believe, Gutierrez Clellan, Simon Cerejido. Um, there's just so many. Um, there's another one, Crago and Genesis and Rice, 2003. So, you know, people could definitely look up those research studies if they want research articles to support that. Um, but um, more specifically, like a research study that comes to mind is one that was done by Hambly and Baban in 2011, where they compared the social language abilities of three groups of children with um, autism from Quebec and Ontario. Um, and they looked at several aspects of language, such as like social responsiveness, initiation, pointing, attention to voice, vocabulary size. And overall, they did not find differences between these bilingual groups um, and their monolingual peers. Um, similar results have been found with participants who speak other languages, such as like English and Chinese, 
Um, so there's definitely lots of research to support that. And it's just important that, you know, people are just more aware of the research and the facts on this. Um, because the last thing we would want to do is recommend that a family um, sticks to one language, um, because that could be very detrimental to just their home dynamic, um, to the support that the child is getting at home. So um, I just think it's important for all educators to really just be up to date with the research. Oh my gosh, I love you like coming in hot with all the research. This is great. Like just shut it down. This is not a thing. Like look at all the data that supports this. That's great. Um, because you're you're absolutely right. We would hate for a recommendation to be given to a family to stick to one language or to, you know, not give that child the opportunity to learn both. If they're going to have the opportunity to learn both languages, I mean, how great is that? Yeah. And then most of the times when we are working with families that are bilingual, a lot of the times the minority language is the dominant language at home. So Mm -hmm. if you are working with a student who's bilingual, you kind of have to think, well, you know, how is this family going to support my student um, if they're not able to use, um, you know, the their home language? Um, cause a lot of the times recommending the dominant language is just like English just isn't like feasible. Like a lot of the families may not be fluent or if they know a little bit of English, they, you know, might be providing just, um, you know, not, maybe not the correct grammatical models. Uh, maybe they're having a hard time with vocabulary. Um, and that's normal, right. For someone who's learning a second language, but we always want to strive for strong, um, language models in, in the dominant or the, the home language. So in those scenarios where let's say the home language is Spanish and, you know, the language in the classroom is English, what language should, you know, therapy services, education be provided in, especially for students that have really, you know, an emerging verbal repertoire? Once again, research says that, you know, we should always support both languages, um, in intervention, Um, A lot of the times there's this belief that, you know, we should only stick to the um, language of academic instruction. And once again, that's centering on one language only when and and ignoring the other, when in reality, bilingual children have two linguistic repertoires that we need to be utilizing in our intervention. So, you know, all intervention services should consider all of the child's languages um, and incorporate Um, all of their linguistic repertoires within intervention and in the classroom, because once again, they need that support. They need to be able to access both Mm -hmm. sets of vocabularies. Um, A lot of the times our bilingual children, they're they're not, um, as you can compare it to two monolingual children in one, Um, you know, it's really a combination of both and their knowledge is a combination of both. So, We should always be striving for both in intervention. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So when you run a speech group, what does that look like for you on on kind of including both languages? 
um, lots of code mixing, um, <laughs> lots of code switching. Um, but yeah, I, so I work with, I want to say over 90% of my caseload um, are either bilingual English, Spanish, or monolingual Spanish speakers. And my therapy groups will consist of a variety of um, students with different levels of proficiencies in, in both languages. So I am switching back and forth um, constantly within a session. I might have a student who only speaks English, and then I ha might have a student who knows both, but maybe, you know, is a little bit more Spanish dominant. So it's just a matter of like letting my students know, like, I understand both and you can speak to me in whichever language feels more comfortable to you. Um, I always let them know that because I always want to honor their bilingualism um, and just make them feel like comfortable in the session. And if they respond to me in English, great, we'll proceed with the session in English or the models or whatever I might be providing. And if they respond in Spanish, then, you know, same thing. Um, and I know it's different, right, for like maybe providers that don't necessarily speak the language. But um, I always say, like, if you don't speak the language, you still have to ensure that you're somehow supporting the home language, whether that's providing um, like homework or activities that they can do in the home language um, either working with an interpreter during your session or another professional that is familiar with the language. But whatever your proficiency may be, at the end, we still have to support both languages. I love the idea of homework in, you know, the home language too. If you don't speak that language, but you know, you know, parents and caregivers at home do, that would be a great way to like build that connection there too. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I was kind of thinking of, you know, I speak very, very, very little amount of Spanish. It was better when I was in the classroom, but I was thinking about kid, I, most of the students that I taught when I was in the classroom, I would say maybe about half um, the primary language spoken at home was Spanish. And thinking about students that had maybe really limited language or emerging language, especially if we were starting PECs, we used to kind of bounce between like, especially like primary reinforcers. Like I remember thinking of like, we used to use like for French fries, we would bounce between like French fries and like Papa Sprita. So we would use both, um, kind of seeing what would click with that learner. So is that, was that like on the right track, what I was doing? I'm, I'm like reflecting on all things I did mm -hmm. in the classroom. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of it, when you are working with students with maybe that are maybe working on building their functional communication skills, um, involving the family is a must and, you know, just getting in touch with them and, you know, asking them, okay, what are your students like favorite things? Or, you know, what are your students like dislikes? Um, you know, what is something that's, you know, really motivates him? Um, you know, asking all of those like initial questions to really get to know your student and the family, as well as like, you know, different ways that they, they you know, might name something kind of like you, you said, like, you know, fries versus like papas fritas. Um, just like asking them, like, what, like, what is the word that you use at home? Because, mm -hmm. you know, it varies um, family to family, dialect to dialect. So um, that's all super crucial when working with those students, um, involving the family in like the goal formulation process. Um, you know, just keeping that contact so that they are constantly aware of what you are working on um, in the classroom or even like in therapy. 
um, because ultimately we want our students to, you know, carry that skill over into the home setting because, you know, they're only with us maybe once a week for uh, related service providers and then with the teachers for a certain amount of like hours. But you really just want to have the family understand what it is that you're working on so, so that we can see that carry over and involving them in the process is the best way. Yeah, that's great advice and great point on like, you know, exactly what word is used because maybe there are some English words used at home or, you know, different dialects use different, you know, terminology. So that's a great point on on really having that specific communication about those things, especially for our early learners that are just building that up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Advice for teachers that don't speak the same language as parents and caregivers on overcoming that you know, that obstacle, that language barrier, especially, you know, if translators are not readily available, we all know there's like, quote unquote, supposed to be a translator available, but you know, Mm. sometimes it doesn't happen. (laughs) Yeah. We always have like the, um, what we say, the, I guess the standards that we want versus (laughs) the real world. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That really looks like, um, but I think now more than ever, I really tell, you know, all educators to always, you know, advocate for your students, advocate for that interpreter, because that's the law. The families should be receiving information about their child's like IEP and goals and um, all of those consults that you'll have with the family. They should really be in the family's home language. So, you know, I always say talking to your admin um, comes first and making sure that you're supported there, um, making sure that, you know, they're aware that they have to provide an interpreter, like that's law, um, or at least, you know, finding someone that can help you communicate with that family, whether that's like a, uh, Sika, a paraprofessional that maybe speaks the language, but you have to have someone, you know, help with interpretation. So that's like first and foremost, mm-hmm. um, other strategies that, you know, I always recommend for the classroom is using like a multimodal approach. Um, So if you're not like familiar with the language um, or maybe you don't speak the language, but in the classroom using lots of visuals, lots of gestures, um, lots of um, support that will help with that communication breakdown so that if you don't know how to say a specific word, you at least have like a visual to go with it or some sort of like gesture. Um, but above that, I would also say becoming familiar with the language. Um, so it's, it's kind of like when you have all these students in your classroom, like day one, you know, everyone's coming from different backgrounds as a teacher, you want to learn about your students and their families so that you can best, you know, provide that support and have that communication. It's the same thing if you were to have a student that speaks Um, Chinese or Spanish or German, um, you know, becoming familiar with just the language norms um, is important. And there are definitely websites that you can go to um, if you're looking for more resources, resources on, you know, learning a little bit more about the language and like maybe like the grammatical structures and the norms, like I said, the social norms. Um, A website that, let me see, a website that comes to mind right now I would say like a good one is um, multi, I think it's called, let me, hold on, multi-top, multilingual topics in 
communication sciences and disorders is a good one. Um, oh, okay. That one, they, they have a variety of languages available on the site and they pretty much break down each language will give you general information about phonology and syntax and morphology. Um, and they also have some like cultural information on there too. Um, another one that I like to use, and this one's, um, it's actually a travel website, but it's fairly reliable. Um, cause I That's use it. That's a good idea. That's like you're, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about that. Like, yeah, you're traveling there, but same idea. Yeah. So like there's a travel website called, um, must go travel. Um, and if you go to the website and search world languages, um, you'll find same thing, like a list of languages and they have a ton of languages av available and you just click on one and it'll take you, um, to the specific page where it has even like information about like the geography where that language is spoken, information about the culture, um, what dialects are spoken. So um, as a teacher, like these are all still things that you still have to do with your students who are dual language learners that speak other languages other than English, because, you know, once again, you want to be able to provide that support culturally and linguistically within your classroom. And even beyond like the best practice, you know, legality component, I mean, think about like rapport building with that parent, like showing that you've taken that effort to learn about their culture, learn, you know, key words or phrases in their language that you can be using with their child in that classroom. I mean, I feel like right away that parent is like your biggest fan, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, other than just like learning about, because um, I would say that's like the first step. Um, but, uh, you know, under that, there, there comes all of these like tips and tricks that I usually recommend um, when you are working with dual language learners in the classroom. Um, and that might be like providing, you know, extra time for your student to respond, um, especially if they're not familiar with, you know, English. Um, also utilizing your, you know, once again, your resources, if paras, sikas, teacher assistants, um, if they speak that language, um, you know, use, utilizing your assistance and kind of providing the instruction uh, together. Um, also sometimes grouping students with like the same or varying degrees of like language proficiency. So I might pair like a monolingual Spanish speaker with one of my bilingual students. And sometimes they, you know, just naturally help with the communication breakdown in groups and um, they can also serve as models. Um, and then Lastly, I would also say like finding, of course, resources, um, whether that's like educational resources for teachers or um, resources for um, RSPs, like for SLPs, um, for intervention um, that are, you know, made in the student's language um, and that they are accurate um, and also created by creators that are familiar with the culture and the language, I think is also very important. Yes. Oh, I love the idea of like creative grouping and having, you know, those appropriate models, but like that support as well. I think that could be super powerful. Yeah, mm -hmm, definitely. And I mean, that kind of brings us to like finding those resources. That's what you do, right? So can you tell us a little bit about your business? Because I think it is something so needed. People ask me all the time, like, can you make this into Spanish? And I'm like, oh, God, no, no, I don't like, <laughs> no, like I, I'm not qualified to do that, but you are. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so 
you know, I work full time um, in the school setting, in the public school setting um, here in Chicago. And I've been working in the school setting for 10 years now. Um, Back when I started, um, I was actually at two schools and I was in a neighborhood where about 90% of my students either came from predominantly Spanish speaking homes or bilingual homes. And um, I, you know, was very happy to be working with this population because I was, you know, this was the population I really wanted to work with um, in order to utilize just, you know, my um, native language and, you know, just really give back to the community. Um, And, you know, when I first started off my very first year, I didn't have resources in Spanish. Um, I was doing therapy um, and working with these families and I just needed to provide them with like homework and and resources and information about supporting their um, students, you know, communication. And, and a lot of the times I was finding, you know, myself just either Googling or trying to search up resources and I couldn't find any. Um, So I would just make it myself. Um, So that's kind of how it started. I I really just started making my own therapy materials um, and resources for families. And then, like, sure enough, like, I think within my second year, um, I came across Teachers Pay Teachers, and um, I started uploading all all of my um, creations onto Teachers Pay Teachers, (laughs) and that's just kind of how it started kicking off from there. Um, More people just became more aware of the resources that I was creating, um, other SLPs and teachers, um, and it just kind of started growing from there. Fast forward to today, uh, today I'm making now like more tangible things like flashcards and actual materials that can be used in um, intervention, um, like, for example, like just games and activities. Um, so it, it really has, you know, grown a lot. I'm really happy with, you know, where it, ha- it's, it currently is now. Um, but it really like all just became uh, or came out from like the need, the need of, of needing those like resources. That's awesome. And obviously, you know, you're filling such a void in the field on on having resources that are, you know, that are that are done correctly and that, you know, students can utilize in their in their home language. And there was not a ton out there. So I think that's awesome. So Thank where you. can people go to find your resources and to learn more from you? Um, so you can definitely, uh, visit my website, um, at bilingualspeechy.com. Um, so on the website, I have tons of things for anything from like AAC to language, to articulation, to resources about bilingualism and bilingual language development for parents. Um, like I do have, uh, like sheets that contain like all of these myths that we talked about today. Um, and I most, I would say like probably 99.9% of my things are available in both languages so that you can always, you know, send those things home. Um, but aside from my website, um, if people always, you know, want to get directly in contact with me, I'm on Instagram, um, over at bilingual speechy. Um, I always say, you know, feel free to send me a DM, um, if you have questions about, 
um, a specific kid or um, someone on your caseload and you're just not sure, you know, how to approach it. Maybe the student's bilingual and you're working on a certain area and you're not sure where to start. Um, definitely feel free to reach out. I love your Instagram. I love your reels. You have the best reels. They're like catchy, oh, but I'm like you. learning from them. So you're killing it with the reels. So thank you. Well, well, Liliana, thank you so much for joining me. This is super helpful and I appreciate you taking the time. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It was truly a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum. Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.